One of the first words that kids learn is mine. It's actually not share. That comes along shortly after. Um, you know, but images at this moment of, of your children, if you have children, or of other kids, or maybe when you're a kid, images may flood your mind uh, complete with tantrums uh, all over the ownership of a toy that one kid has but the other kid wants, right? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. And right now, uh, it may have been toy, may have been food or Doritos, uh, as Chris said. Um, but right now, in my household, it's over whose turn. It is on Xbox. And I try to tell my kids over and over and over, guys, it's my turn. It's mine, okay? Get off. Daddy's turn. Just kidding. Kind of. Kind of. But, uh, so, so, but here's the thing. We're not much different, are we? we? We may have grown up. We may have matured. But here's the thing. Uh, we just learn to kind of control it. We learn to cover it up a little bit better than kids are. We may not scream with a tantrum saying, mine, but we still kind of deal with the, the same thing, you know. Uh, you watch a family, okay, when uh, their parents or grandparents, someone passes away, and you've seen family after family after family torn apart over something, over financial or emotional value because siblings are saying, no, it's mine, right? And that's something you see, this, this, this word, mine. And, uh, years ago, Beth and I, uh, we, we lived in a duplex, and um, uh, we lived in a duplex, and uh, we shared a shed with our neighbors, uh, our dear neighbors to the, to the south, you know, it was a top-bottom unit. And um, in that, I had a bike. We'd just gotten new bikes, and uh, we're, you know, we enjoyed riding those things around town. And Well, uh, our neighbor, his car, he was unable to drive for a while, um, and so he needed a way around town. So you could use my, he asked if he can use my bike. Yes, you could use my bike. I was kind of thinking a one-time thing, right? Well, you know, so he used my bike, and uh, day after day after day goes by, I, I see him riding around town. In the bike that was mine. Okay? And then, you know, so, okay, you know, frustration, but whatever. Well, frustration grew when it came time for I wanted to ride the bike that was mine. And it was no longer in the shed. Okay? So it was no longer shed. I'm like, oh. And so here I am, he's cramping my style. And then, and so then uh, things started getting uh, a little rickety on the bike that was mine and, and and it wasn't from me so if my frustration grew anymore even more and, and so I was real cool and hip I had this little light that uh on the handlebars you know so you could ride a little headlight and uh and one day uh my, my light wasn't there and I'm like man what happened to my light you know what what happened did he do something to my light and and I promise you uh, it was like right after that uh we're looking through something through our cars at nighttime he's like oh you need a light and he pulls it out of his pocket and it's like shines my light from my bike, they took off. It's in his pocket, and he shines it. You know, and so here, here I am, uh, throwing this basically the same temper tantrum a little kid uh, would have thrown. Mine, mine. You know, as kids, most of us, uh, one thing we look when we we're kids, we look forward to when we grow up um, that that we could have things that were truly ours. We didn't have to share them with siblings. We didn't have to uh, our parents or adults tell us what to do. And so we look for having our own place, right? Everybody look forward to having their own place? Uh, we look forward to having our own car. You know what I'm talking about up there? Dylan, yeah? Your own car. You, good things happen when you have your own car, right? <laughs> His car just got stolen. Um, but good news, he got it back. Got it back. Um, and we, uh, uh, we have our own lives. 
We get to make our own decisions and, uh, that are solely ours, and we d- we've also discovered through that process that having the responsibility of having these things that are all mine, it doesn't necessarily translate to happiness because when you have things that are all yours, they're also all yours to fix and to take care of, to maintain. You know, you own a house, but your HVAC unit goes out, and, and you have to pay for that to be repaired, or your... Um, you know, the clothes aren't going to wash, dry, and fold themselves and get put away on their own, are they? Um, mm. You own a car, but you still have to pay to have the ball joints replaced, right? And uh, there's a moment in time that we all need to stop and we need to kind of ask. We need, kind of need to recalibrate. We need to ask ourselves this question, do, do I own my stuff or does my stuff own me? Mm. So today we're kicking off this short little series, three weeks, uh, called Mine, and we're looking at this idea of, of stuff, uh, of money, and of things, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to be free from the stress, from the worry, from the anxiety, and the burden of what we call mine. So today we're talking about all, all mine, and we're going to lay this foundational truth that, that if, if nothing else you remember, um, uh, I hope that you pause, you'll take a breath when when the next cycle of bills comes through or when the grocery store looms and you know man that's going to be a big one uh when the school fees need to be paid when the loan repayment continues to chip away and our financial responsibilities uh uh uh, continues to grow and then maintaining stuff that we have seems to be controlling our lives we need to remember this foundational uh principle okay we find it in psalm 24 verse 1 it's a psalm that talks about the sovereignty the 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 bigness of god and and who he is the power of of who he is and and it starts off with this psalm 24 1 the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it so who is the earth's who who who's it belong to Talk to me now. Talk, it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to God. Like, like it's his gig. He, he created it. He, he breathed it into existence and, and, and brought life into it. And, and it's all him. It's all by him. It's all from him. The scripture says it's all for him. And so sometimes we get that mixed up a little bit. But listen, there's freedom. There's true freedom when we reconcile our desires with the truth of ownership who really owns this in the first place you know uh, one thing we talk about a lot as christians as, as jesus people we talk a lot about freedom and a lot of times we only talk about that in the context of uh freedom from our sin freedom from death and freedom from hell and uh, we talk about the same and that's real freedom okay but yet somehow we disassociate the other areas of our life Worry and stress, anxiety and financial freedom, and, 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 and we, we somehow disassociate that. But Jesus came to set us free, not just from sin and hell. He came to set us free, free from everything, every worry, every burden, every hurt. He came to set every part of us free, also from being overwhelmed by mine. So there's freedom when we reconcile our desires with the truth of ownership. And just like being set free spiritually... We've got to believe some things, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some uh, three fundamental principles that we can believe, we can trust, that will help free us from anxiety and worry. Um, so the first one, the principle for today is this, all right? So the, here's, here's the big idea, is that all that is mine is from God. Will you say that with me? 
All that is mine is from God. Now, right now, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> woo, uh, uh, right now, uh, you may have been saying that, but you are only half-heartedly believing that, right? I mean, you could, be, you could shoot straight with me on this one, okay? Uh, I heard it in your voice. You're like, okay, he told me to say it. All that is mine, it, it's from God, whatever. It's from, it's from God. But all that is mine is from God. Like when it comes to money, when it comes to stuff, uh, this is the most basic biblical principle that we find, that all that is mine, all that we have, everything that's in the world, it's all from God. James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in James chapter 1, verse 17, uh, gracias. he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming, uh, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So every good, every perfect gift, it comes from God. It comes from God. But here's the million-dollar question for us that we need to kind of come to grips with today. Do you believe that everything you have has been given to you as a gift from God? And the answer to that for most of us in our hearts is no. No. And I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not, always, I'm not always guided by this belief that all I have uh, comes my way from uh, a love, the loving hand of God. And I struggle with it probably for the same reasons that you do as well. After all, I hopped in the shower, you know. I got myself dressed with clothes that I bought. I, uh, I fed myself with food that I bought. Or um, I started the car and I bought with the money. I drove to church this morning with gas I paid for from the job that I worked. You know, the, the, with the money that I put the time in and used my abilities and expend my energy. I took the risk. I made the leap. And, and here's the thing. You are saying the same thing with your life. And uh, we, we have this way of building our lives around who, who we are, about mine, and what I did to earn it. And so no government, not the church, not God uh, is going to tell me what to do with it. Not even my wife is going to tell me what to do with it. Well, maybe that last one's not true. But, but, no, but no one's going to tell me what to do with it because it's mine. And that's kind of the mentality where we, we, we have this white knuckle uh, grasp you know, and our arms are clenched and our back is turned towards the people who might want to tell us otherwise because it's mine, because it's mine. And so do you believe everything has been given to you as a gift of God? You know, what we have has always been built on the system of exchange, you know. The things we have, in other words, uh, we trade value, uh, the value of our time, our talent, and our energy for the value of someone else's time and talent and energy. Uh, so you buy a car, but in that you're paying for materials, but you're paying for people's time, energy, and effort to build the car along the way, and the people who ship the cars, and the people who sell the cars. And, and, uh, and so we, we, we trade our money for someone else's uh, value that they put into it. And although we don't, uh, when we give our time, we don't create the time. You know, when we give, um, uh, the time is, is a gift uh, from God. And, and, and though we may invest our talent, God is the one who gives us the talent. And when we invest our energy and, and, and our work, God is the one who gives us that. And though we may have developed our time, our energy, our effort, our education, 
uh, our, our schedule, our drive, our discipline, our years of struggle. Man, we're only capable of doing those things by the loving hand of God. That we've been given so much that life itself is a gift. Like every second of it. Do, we, do you view life like that? That every second is a gift? Like uh, that all that we have has come uh, our way by the loving hand of God. So listen, if we believe that, then life will begin to take on a different perspective. That uh, we'll be, believe this and we'll begin to be free from the worry and anxiety and stress of things, of stuff, of, of mine. If we believe this, then we'll begin to uh, be set free financially. If we believe this, we'll be on the path to financial reconciliation with God. Right now, I want to share a passage to you from Matthew chapter 6. And um, it's going to be a little bit of a long passage, and I'm going to read it from the message translation or paraphrase. And uh, it's a paraphrase, so what this kind of uh, does is it fills in some of the context a little more, but I think it speaks directly to our issue of ownership of things. So Jesus says this. He says, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. But I think if a lot of us were, were honest, if we were real, we would, we would find our hearts are, are torn. We know we should love God, but if we put our money where our mouth is, we see that maybe our hearts are a little torn. Verse 25 says, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food, uh, the food you put in your stomach, more to the outer appearance than clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to, any, to a job description, careless in the care, care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by, by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference. Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. And have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? What am I trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. And, but you both know, know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard thing comes up when the time comes. And we see here that Jesus is painting this picture like what matters most is not the things that you wear or the things that you eat or your, uh, the, the, the amount in your bank account or the stuff that you have. What matters most is that you seek his kingdom first. 
Like he's not painting a picture that stuff and, and clothes are bad and, and food is bad. And, but he's saying that, that we can be so preoccupied by it that we elevate our stuff and the externals on uh, the same plane as God himself. And, and we, we don't have to worry that God will provide and we'll find all of our everyday con- human concerns will be met. And God will help you deal with whatever the hard things are that will come your way when the time comes. And we can experience freedom from the stress of the, the all-mine mentality. And so our goal is to trust Him. Trust Him more than our, we trust our st- stuff. And trust Him more and not to be riddled with worry. Now, the same truth from Jesus is true in both your spiritual life and your financial life. The, the, two, the two aren't separate, okay? So we have this one, uh, one life, one broken, incomplete, often worry-filled life, and Jesus came to set us free. He's came, he's done the work, he, and he wants us to trust him and to put him first. So, church, I want to ask you again, do you believe that all that is mine is from God? Because that will change that will change your perspective on stuff. Next week, we're going to be challenged to embrace another belief in order to be free financially. But it all starts here. That's all, all that is mine is from God. Every good and perfect gift. It comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, uh, from the loving hand of God. And embracing this truth will help us to see all of life and everything we do with a different perspective. So today, as we kind of wrap up, uh, uh, there's a word that uh, I want to challenge you with, and it's a word that will help us remember. It's a word that will help us uh, calibrate our hearts to the true owner of everything. That word is gratitude. Say that with me. Gratitude. Gratitude looks like this. It sounds like this. Thank you. Thank you. If someone gives you a gift, what do you say? You say, thank you. Have, have some manners, right? That's what we teach our kids. That's what we teach our kids. And if, and if someone gives my kids something and they don't say thank you, I'm going to say, what do you say to them, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's what we do, parents. We're all the same. So until someone sees you, you're like, what do you say to them, you know? And they, they know the answer. Say, thank you, thank you. But listen, all that is mine is from God. All that's yours is from God. You know what you can do? You better say thank you. Say thank you, right? And maybe we need some practice with that. Maybe we need some practice with that. Like, like life is too short to live without that, without a thank you, without having gratitude for God. So here's, here's the challenge this upcoming week. If you're willing to take it, I think you should. Uh, but practice saying thank you God, for every area of your life, for every moment of your life, when you wake up, you know, thank you, God, for a bed to sleep in. Thank you, God, for, uh, for uh, the breath that's in my lungs. Thank you, God, for my health. Uh, thank you, God, uh, for hot water as I get into the shower. You know, if you drink your coffee, thank you, God, okay, for all of that. 
before you put your clothes on, uh, before you start your engine, before you walk out the door to work. Thank you, God, for the hands that made this and provided this. Thank you, God, for the gift of all these things. Uh, uh, God, thank you, God, for a mind that I can use to think and create and uh, for a heart that I can use to love and, and the emotions I can have to feel. Thank you for the people that are around me who, who, who encourage me and, and push me on. And thank you for the people who love me. God, thank you for breath, for sunshine, for rain. And, and God, we thank you for our, the meals we eat. You know, we're pretty good as, a, as, as people who pause at before meals to eat, right? Uh, at least we do it, our family. Uh, we, we, we try to eat together as much as possible. And uh, we always do that and we pray. And so Benjamin, okay, so Benjamin, he knows like, uh, that we pray and he'll mumble some stuff. And then uh, if we take too long praying... He says, amen. <laughs> and so he's, our five-year-old Down syndrome son, is, man, he's like, look, food is here. Amen this thing so I can eat. And then uh, uh, we always decide who's going to pray. Yesterday, last night for dinner, um, uh, someone said, well, dad, daddy's going to pray. And then so Isaac started praying. And Benjamin said, no, daddy pray. You know, <laughs> and then so, so I had to pray. And, um, and then, of course, he cut my prayer short with an amen. And but we're pretty good at the, the praying for meals thing. But what if we pause and thank God uh, for everything we did? We constantly had the attitude. I, I didn't want to say this. Attitude of gratitude. <laughs> so I, was, I purposely was trying not to say that. But it just came out. But what, but what if we constantly had that heart? You know, that mindset, the attitude where we're, we're just thankful and praising God for everything. Uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, uh, from the... 1800s, he, he, he writes this. He says, you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book, grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, walking, boxing, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Man, wouldn't that change our lives if we thank God, we praise God and with gratitude? And, and we no longer had the white-knuckle grip on the things that are all mine. And we release them a little bit and say, you know, all that's mine is God's. And with these hands, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to thank him for it. A life of gratitude for our Heavenly Father who gives us every perfect gift. You know, it will change your life. So will you join me this week? Let's just say thank you, God. I'm going to pray. But before I do that, I'm going to give you guys a minute just to kind of calibrate your heart to being thankful, okay? Maybe there's some things that you need to thank God for, praise God for. Maybe you need to walk through your life and say, realize, you know, I'm, I, look how blessed I am. God, thank you. So let's, let's pray together.